He said 3440 Delta, if you continue on the heading that you're currently flying, he said you'll come into very close contact with commercial traffic in the form of a 747. <laughs> and I said, Roger, <laughs> I'm leaving my current heading for the assigned one. And I heard him say, good choice. <laughs> Today's speaker is Mrs. Gay Martin, and she's got some lessons to share that she learned as a private pilot, and she's going to relate those to our walk of faith with God. And uh, this is Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Gay Martin has a unique perspective on life, that's for sure, from about 5,000 feet in the air. Uh, along with a great sense of humor, as you just heard, she's using her experiences flying an airplane as a metaphor for the Christian life, which is an interesting approach, especially if you think of God as our own personal air traffic controller. Uh, he can see where you've been, and he knows where you're going, and he can also see what might be in your way. Uh, in addition to being a pilot, Gay is a management and training consultant, author, and speaker. Gay and her husband, Phil, live in Summerfield, Florida, and have five children, 12 grandchildren, and 24 great-grandchildren. She does it by the numbers, right? <laughs> that is an impressive family size. And uh, Gay is a delightful speaker, as you heard. Here she is now, speaking at a Christian Women's Club event and uh, warming up the crowd with some humorous stories <laughs> as we begin Focus on the Family. Anyway, I was on my way to the spa one day, and I had a class that night at... <laughs> I had a class at the college, and so I was on my way to the spa just for a few minutes because I have a lifetime membership, which we're giving away at the banquet tonight. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, I looked behind me, I saw a little blue light, and I just hate it when I see a little blue light, and so I just pulled, slowed down, pulled over, and reached around, clicked in my seatbelt. <laughs> and, uh, and the young man that came around, the little policeman came around, um, he said, may I see your driver's license? I said, yes, sir. Now, I said, sir, because um, policemen don't like it when you call them sugar. And, uh, <laughs> but it's hard not to do that because they all look like they're nine. And you just want to say, does your mom know you're playing cop? Because, <laughs> you know, like they have a gun, they're out in traffic and everything. But anyway... Um, so he said, uh, Ms. Martin, he said, do you know how fast you were going? I said, no. And he said, you were exceeding speed limit, and I, uh, speed, the, whatever I was doing. And uh, <laughs> I said, I understand. Go ahead and write it. And he said, when he got through, he said, well, I see you're aware of our seatbelt law. I said, yes, sir, I am. <laughs> and he said, let me ask you, Ms. Martin, do you always buckle your seatbelt through the steering wheel? <laughs> This is uh, As You Like at Luncheon, and I'm going to try desperately to do a 180 here and say something um, of meaning. Uh, Proverbs 14.12 says, Before every man there lies a wide and pleasant road that seems right but ends in death. That's kind of an upbeat scripture, don't you think? And, uh, and I, when they asked me to do the conference, I began to think about uh, what I wanted to do for this particular session. And and I decided that I wanted to title it, Don't Stifle the Urge to Take Off. 
And I, um, it has to do with my flying experience. I became, I earned my pilot's license, private pilot's license as a young woman about uh, 30 years ago. And, and uh, when I settled on this, and then I found out that a pilot was going to be here tonight, yeah, I, went, I just thought, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. Because I, um, I sometimes substitute for a church in Ocala of a very large Sunday school group of retired people. And um, I was giving them one of my flying stories one time. And at break, I heard a man say to a retired Delta pilot, Charlie, I did not know things like that happened to pilots. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, they don't to real pilots. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to tell you, I'm skating on thin ice today. <laughs> But I remember a time, Phil is a retired air traffic controller, and, and our daughter was with Eastern, so I used to have unlimited passes on Eastern and um, anywhere in their system. And so I would many times go into work with Phil, fly to Atlanta, have lunch with my daughter, play with the grandchildren, come home with him in the afternoon. And so every now and then he would say to one of the pilots, be careful, you have my wife on board. So she's a private pilot and you, you know, you be careful. So one, one afternoon I was coming in, Phil had cleared him for landing in, um, in Gainesville and, <laughs> and uh, he had told him that. And of course I didn't know that. And he, he was the neatest pilot I've ever met. He said, he came over the loudspeaker and he said, Mrs. Martin, this is the captain. <laughs> He said, how did you like those landings? <laughs> he said, didn't you think the second one was better than the first one? <laughs> I, just, I thought, oh, there's a real man. <laughs> well, I want to tell you that I learned to fly to overcome a fear of flying. My father was uh, director of training for Pan American uh, when they were still around. And I've always had a fear of flying, and someone told me that if I would learn to fly, take some lessons, and Phil gave me some of those lessons, and that's why he looks so wonderful tonight. But uh, I learned to fly to overcome a fear of flying. And uh, I have to tell you that my, uh, my concept of being a pilot was most limited. Um, in the beginning, I, I really thought that as soon as I could say, Roger, <laughs> I'd be a pilot, you know. And then I could hardly wait to be so professional that you could just go, Rog. <laughs> and I, I just, in my landings were often referred to by my instructor as controlled crashes. And, uh, <laughs> but I did find that anyone you can walk away from is a good one. And I remember when I did my solo cross country, which every pilot has to do, it's the first time that you get in that plane and fly to another city without your instructor in the seat next to you. And uh, all of us in Miami used to have to fly to Sanford. They'd send us to Sanford. And that's not really that hard to do in Florida because if you fly low enough, you can like do I-75, you know, it's not really that hard. <laughs> And, uh, and you, but you had to get your logbook signed, you know, and then you have to get back in the plane and come home. And you need to know that is major for somebody that's a brand new pilot that's only had 72 hours. <laughs> Most men do it in 12, okay? And, uh, but anyway, I watched everything and I paid attention and I, I landed in Sanford and I really didn't want to look green. I just really didn't want to look green. And got out of the airplane, kind of swaggered in, and they said, welcome to West Palm Beach. 
I tell you, I tell you, when I got my pilot's license, my father was the first place I went, okay? I you know, went straight over to Pan Am on 36th Street in Miami. And I said, Dad, I got it, I got it. And, uh, and he said, listen, let me tell you, you're more dangerous today than you've ever been in your life. <laughs> and he's right. And I said, why do you say that? Because you know, I just wanted my dad to be proud of me. And he said, honey, because today you think you have all the answers. And I did, I did. But you know, when I learned to fly, my perception of flying was like, I am gonna be in control, you know? I just wanted to be in control of that machine. I, want, I wanted to just rise above everything and I wanted to just get a new perspective on things. And, and I tell you, I, one of the problems that I had is a problem I've had in spiritual life as well. And that was learning to hear the instructions from the controller, I had the hardest time learning to listen to the radio. And when I first started out, I can remember, you know, because you can't take off without being cleared for takeoff, and you can't land without being cleared to land. And I, and I had the hardest time listening to that voice, you know, and I used to, right at first, I'd make everybody in the airplane, just, I'd go, shh, you know, because I didn't know if he had cleared me or not. And it doesn't look cool to be cleared and not go anyplace. <laughs> And, and, but it, I did have to learn to hear his voice. I had to learn to listen. And I did get to where when I'd hear the call letters of my little airplane come up, I learned that I was getting ready to get some instructions. And I want you to know that I found out that even though I may be the pilot in that plane and may be up there all by myself, I was not fully in control. I found out that I, didn't, I had limited control, but I was not in complete control. There was an unseen traffic controller that had to assign altitudes to me, that had to assign headings to me, that had to assign a route of flight to me, that had to tell me when to ascend and descend, and he had to give me all those instructions. He had to tell me when to land and take off. And, and I tell you right at first, I sort of resented his rather insistent finger in uh, every decision of my trip. But I want you to know that controller taught me some things. And so I just want to share maybe three or four points of some things that I learned as a pilot and things that I have seen. I want to talk about some things that I've learned. First of all, let me tell you, I've learned to trust those with the larger picture. I want you to know that the air traffic controller has access to a larger picture. And, um, and I learned that on a trip I made from Miami to Wilmington via Charlotte. And uh, I landed in Charlotte and I had pre-planned my trip. And, and you know that if you're in Charlotte and you want to go to Wilmington, you have to go a little bit northeast. And, and I had planned out all my headings and the winds and everything and I knew when I was supposed to get in. And when that controller gave me a heading, I was heading due east. And uh, he said, I want you to fly that uh, heading until I terminate service. I said, Roger. <laughs> and uh, so I began to fly the heading that he had given me, and, it, and the longer I flew it, the madder I got about it. And I thought, you know what? This isn't even anywhere near Wilmington, okay? It's not near Wilmington. And I thought, well, he's probably cleared me to go around some traffic or something. And I flew and flew and flew, and I, he never came back, and I just thought, I know what it is. He's just a new controller, you know. 
and he just forgot me, that's all. And so I just began to ease back on my course. <laughs> and I hadn't gone that far <laughs> until he came on and he said, 3440 Delta, do you have a problem? I said, no, sir. <laughs> and he said, he said, then may I ask why you're not flying the route of flight that was assigned to you? And I said, I thought you forgot me. He said, I didn't forget you. He said, 3440 Delta, if you continue on the heading that you're currently flying, he said, you'll come into very close contact with commercial traffic in the form of a 747. <laughs> and I said, Roger, <laughs> I'm leaving my current heading for the assigned one. And I heard him say, good choice. <laughs> I want you to know that through that little experience, I've learned to trust those who have access to the larger picture. There are times in your life when you think God has gone on vacation and you're flying in a direction that doesn't feel right to you, period. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. He sees things you can't see. And the alternative may be something you don't want to take time out to do. And he knows he's in control and he knows the route of flight you need to take and he will keep you on course. I also learned that someone has always flown faster, higher, longer, and a greater distance than I have. But you know what I've learned about that? I've learned that those that have flown longer and higher and further than I have constitute a built-in mentor system. And that there are in life people who have been where you are, that have the answers, who have flown this trip before, and know exactly what it takes for you to get through it. And that's a comfort to me. That's a comfort to me. And then the third thing that I have learned is not to be ashamed to admit when you're lost. I mean, women can do this really difficult for men. But... <laughs> I was flying to Atlanta one time, and uh, I was told to report over Griffin, Georgia. And um, so I knew exactly where I was until about Macon. I had checked everything. I had gone over the railroad track at the right time. I had gone, you know, I, I knew every little town as it went by. But in Macon, I realized that I was getting close to uh, Atlanta, and so I decided to take just a few minutes out and do my face. You know, something important. <laughs> so I did my eyes and I did my makeup. <laughs> and it just took me a minute, okay? Just a few minutes. But when I looked up, I had lost my bearings. I didn't, I didn't know where I was. And I knew that pretty soon I had to report over Griffin because that was the, that was the instruction the air traffic controller had given me. And so I just saw this little town down there, and I thought, oh, well, you know, who knows what anyway. And so I just said, this is 3440 Delta, and I'm reporting over Griffin. And he said, 3440 Delta, I don't have you on radar. And I thought, new controller. <laughs> Bless his heart. And so he said, I want you to do a 360 and let me see if I can catch you on radar. And so I made some circles, which um, now when I see a plane doing that, I go, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it means they're lost. But anyway, 
<laughs> or at least that's what it meant when I flew. <laughs> he said, I don't have you on radar. And so I, you know, and I, I, so I flew just a little further and I passed over another little town and I thought, oh, this is it. I'm sure this is it. And so I just called in. This is 3440 Delta reporting over Griffin. <laughs> and he said, I don't have you on radar. <laughs> I did that three times. And he said, 3440 Delta, are you lost? I said, no, sir, I'm not. <laughs> And he said, let me ask you something. He said, can you see a racetrack that would be the Atlanta Raceway? I said, no, sir, I can't. He said, can you see a green water tower? That's in Griffin. I said, no, sir, I can't. He said, let me ask you something. Look carefully. Can you see Stone Mountain? <laughs> I said, yes, sir, I can. <laughs> He's, listen to what he said to me. He said, listen to me, trust me, follow my directions, and I'll get you back on course. When I got on the ground in Atlanta, this controller came back on the um, radio, and he said, 3440 Delta, he said, anytime we have a pilot assist, we have to uh, fill out paperwork for that. And he said, would it be safe to say you were temporarily disoriented? <laughs> I said, it'd be safe to say I was lost. <laughs> and I said, I want to thank you for your help. And he said, it was my pleasure. It's my job. I want to tell you something. When you get off course, when you've just even taken your eyes off course just for a little while, and you can't figure out where you're supposed to be again, I want you to know it is his pleasure to get you back on course. But it does help if you'll tell him you're lost. I want to tell you something else I learned. We used to fly supplies to missionaries. I didn't do a lot of flying in the jungle because I have trouble over roads, but um, that trip from the jungle, we used to fly from uh, a jungle strip where there were no roads into that. We flew right off the river. And that trip by canoe was 11 days. By air, it was 20 minutes. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's some leap over the jungle. Now, I want to tell you what I've seen. I want you to know that when you take to the air, you see things you can't see from the ground. I have seen the upstairs to an overcast day. I want you to know that where on top it's sunny and bright and quiet. I've seen the tops of mountains. I've seen treetops, I've seen rooftops. On a clear day, I've seen both coasts of Florida at the same time. On aerial maps, these boundaries are not recorded. And I believe the reason for that is the higher you fly, the fewer the fences. And then the last thing I want to share with you that I have seen is I've seen a completed rainbow. Do you know when you see it on the ground, it's always just half a circle? But I want you to know from the air, it's always round. And the shadow of the airplane is always in the middle of it. I want you to know it's always connected and encircles you. And I want you to know when rainbows embrace you, you don't fear the heights. You measure them.
I want to close with a little illustration. A friend of mine was telling me about something that happened to him. He said, I was on a farm up north, and this farmer had five acres of land that was just swarming with mallard ducks. And I said to him, where did you get these mallard ducks? He said, well, he said, I found three eggs in the woods, brought them home, put them under a bantam hen. You know bantam hens, they'll sit on doorknobs. <laughs> and they hatched the eggs. And uh, they hatched two ladies and a gentleman. And they, in turn, attracted other ducks to that area, a sizable flock. In the fall, they began to see other ducks on the wing. And he said they began to appear nervous and excited. And he said, I realized a little time clock had gone off in their little duck arts. And they were ready to defy gravity and take to the wing. And he said, I didn't want to lose them. So what I began to do was, he said, I began to overfeed them. And they got so comfortable, they forgot to fly. He said they were so satisfied and so comfortable, they never migrated. And my friend said, you know, Gabe, what I saw in that? They stifled the urge to soar. They denied that upward call when they felt it. They didn't respond promptly to the tug that was calling them to higher places. And so they didn't achieve their assigned destiny. And instead of being soaring ducks, they became sitting ducks. Don't stifle the urge to lift off. I've learned those things from my flying. I believe that all of us touch someone's life. And to touch the future, we must encourage those who are trying their wings today to break our speeds, to test our limits, to re-examine our boundaries. And before they're out of earshot, we must clear them for takeoff to trust the skies, to trust the winds, to trust their wings. And I hope before they get to where they can't hear us, they will hear our shout, fly high, fly proud. Thank you. Some great lessons to consider from our speaker, Gay Martin, on today's Focus on the Family. John, I love Gay's closing illustration about the overfed ducks who lost their urge to soar into the skies. And that really speaks to me as a Christian husband and father. Am I getting too comfortable with myself? Am I too set in my routine? Or am I ready, willing, and able to answer God's call? and to go wherever you might send me. I mean, those are big, challenging questions. You never know. That is really true, and I think one of the important things, Jim, is to be ready for whatever opportunities God brings our way, whether that's a call to you know overseas missions outside of our own country, or maybe something as simple as a chance to have a cup of coffee with someone right in our own neighborhood uh, who doesn't know God. But mm-hmm. we can always know that whatever path God takes us down— He's going to be right there with us. And it's also reassuring to think of the Lord as my air traffic controller. He's the one that has the big picture. He can see what I'm flying into, and he can give me the course correction that I need, but I may not know I needed. 
That's a great analogy, Jim, and Gay has certainly given us a lot to think about. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. Well, this has been such a good reminder that we really are lost without God's direction in our life. And I'm reminded of that passage in Isaiah where God says, My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I take great comfort in knowing that God really is sovereign, and he's able to run my life whether I like it or not. If you know of someone who would be encouraged by this message from Gay Martin, I want to encourage you to share it. You can do that from our website or podcast, or probably the best way is through our Focus Africa app, which is now also available on the Huawei app gallery. And remember, when you support Focus on the Family, your gift helps us continue reaching out to people with great messages like this one, sharing the truths of the gospel. In fact, in the past year, over 7,400 people said that they made decisions for Christ because of Focus on the Family. Here's an example of the notes we receive. Focus on the Family saved my family and my marriage. It's been a year since our daughter started counseling and a year since I realized that sometimes we need help to raise and to understand our children. The situation at home is amazing. We can now talk instead of shouting. We now play games instead of us being locked up in our rooms. What a wonderful example of how Focus on the Family, meaning you who pray for us and support us, and of course the hand of the Lord, impacts the lives of people that are listening and need some help. We are making a difference, and I want to say thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for giving to Focus and for helping us help others. You can reach us by calling 031-716-3300 or to access a range of family-strengthening content or to donate, visit our website at safamily.co.za. I'm Graham Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.